0: Welcome back, Chase Lounge readers. It's always a delight to speak or write to you each week and hear your responses. October is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month, so today we will be taking a look at both the improvements made and the long way we need to go in preventing domestic violence and sexual violence, which many times go hand in hand. Yes, it's a heavy topic, but it is one we need to address at a cultural level. I hope that you come away from today's Listen with some thoughts about changes you can make in your own communities. We can dream big and do our best to make them a reality. But first, on to the news updates. National updates. Woman convicted of manslaughter over miscarriage in Oklahoma. Brittany Pula was convicted of manslaughter in the miscarriage of her 15-17 to week-old fetus. At that age, the fetus was non-viable. Ms. Pula admitted to using drugs days prior to the miscarriage, but the autopsy showed that the fetus had significant congenital abnormalities. While medical professionals testified that they could not rule out the drug use as a cause of the miscarriage, they also noted the severe congenital abnormalities as a likely cause. Nevertheless, the judge found her guilty. This is a frightening precedent as more state legislatures move towards laws giving non-viable fetuses more protection than the women carrying them. Abortion Law Updates The Justice Department has asked the Supreme Court to once again decide on the constitutionality of Texas's Senate Bill 8. It appears the court will act quickly as Justice Samuel Alito has asked for briefs to be submitted by today, Thursday. The Justice Department's argument centers on the method by which the law circumvents the courts and concerns that states may use this method for other issues like gun control. We need an increase of awareness of mail-order abortion pill options. A recent article in The Atlantic describes the lack of awareness among Americans regarding medication abortions. While 39% of all abortions are administered through medication, many people are unaware that this is an option. With many states creating all sorts of rules around the prescribing of pills, a mail-order business has evolved circumventing the need to go to a clinic to obtain the pills. Unless the government wants to start checking each pregnant person's mailbox, it will be hard to stop people from ordering the pills online. And now, on to our main article, The Root of Sexual Violence, Our Culture. Recently, while reading the morning newspaper, my husband threw it down in disgust, saying, every story today was about sexual abuse. He wasn't wrong. The local newspaper had been doing a week-long expose about abuse at the North Carolina School of the Arts at the same time that the Catholic Church Announced 300,000 French children had been abused by priests and clergy over the decades. It makes you stop to think if sexual abuse is so rampant, why isn't it considered a public health emergency? Anita Hill and Christine Blasey Ford pave a path. If you haven't already discovered it, I highly recommend listening to the podcast Because of Anita. The episodes feature discussions of the ways that Professor Anita Hill's testimony at the Senate confirmation hearing for Justice Clarence Thomas in 1991 created a vocabulary for women to come forward to report sexual harassment and abuse. We owe Anita Hill an incredible debt. Before those hearings, no one really knew how to go about making a coherent case to fight sexual harassment. The podcast also includes a fascinating conversation between Professor Hill and Dr. Christine Blasey Ford. While the entire four-episode podcast is necessary listening, I found a few parts of the discussion especially meaningful. In the final episode, hosts Salamisha Tillett and Cindy Levy ask Me Too founder Tarana Burke about the lack of funding for sexual harassment and assault even after the huge Me Too revelations in 2017. Ms. Burke's reply was very insightful. Quote, If we don't get people to understand that disrupting rape culture is at the root of ending sexual violence, and if we don't put resources out into changing the narrative of what people understand about both sexual violence, rape culture, and survival, then it is a hindrance to us really getting our work done, Unquote. While the term, use of the term, rape culture, may confuse or turn some away from the issue, we do need to understand that we hold cultural attitudes that perpetuate these problems. What exactly do we mean when we say rape culture? According to UN Women, quote, rape culture is the social environment that allows sexual violence to be normalized and justified, fueled by the persistent gender inequalities and attitudes about gender and sexuality. Naming it is the first step to dismantling rape culture, unquote. Here are some examples of rape culture from Marshall University. Blaming the victim. For example, she asked for it trivializing sexual assault, for example, boys will be boys, sexually explicit jokes, tolerance of sexual harassment, inflating false rape report statistics, publicly scrutinizing a victim's dress, mental state, motives, and history, gratuitous gendered violence in movies and television, defining manhood as dominant and sexually aggressive, and defining womanhood as submissive and sexually passive, pressure on men to score, pressure on women to not appear cold, assuming only promiscuous women get raped, assuming that men don't get raped or that only weak men get raped, refusing to take rape accusations seriously, teaching women avoid getting raped instead of teaching men not to rape. Sound familiar? If we simply look at the map below indicating the rate of rapes per 1,000 people, we can see that the United States has the ignominious rating of being one of the worst countries on the planet for rape. Normally, when we see a map like this rating our country so poorly, there is an outcry to make changes, but we have not seen that. Instead, we see people crying out, "Me too," but little in public policy changes. Rape as an issue for the individual to deal with. Burke went on to say, quote, "I think that we have been socialized to see it as an individual issue. I think that people still don't understand that sexual violence is violence, and because we haven't had models that say this about collective responsibility, People haven't been compelled to see it differently. This is about a shift in understanding to what we owe survivors. If we are in community together and somebody is harmed in that community, we owe them something. Burke's point about sexual assault being perceived as an individual issue is important. Seeing sexual assault as a public health problem rather than an individual issue can create opportunities for changes in public policy. Imagine a world where the Violence Against Women Act is not used as a political football needing constant reauthorization. Imagine a world where everyone is taught to ask for consent before touching another person. Imagine a world where the onus is put on men to not sexually assault women rather than victim blaming. I could go on. These are achievable goals, but they require resources and public health campaigns. Instead, we live with the reality that the few social supports for those who have been sexually abused have to beg for funding, and those who dare to speak up face unfathomable harassment. Sexual assault as a crime is held to a different standard from other crimes. Because sexual assault is also perceived as a quote-unquote women's issue, no matter how false that designation is, it becomes loaded with all sorts of gendered considerations. Hence, rape culture rears its ugly head again. We do have the occasional moments of reckoning, like both Professor Hill's and Dr. Blasey Ford's testimony, and the Me Too social media hashtag engagement. Each of these events has brought some positive movement, but they rely on people who have been assaulted to come forward and face the gauntlet of hate and dismissal thrown at them. We can do better. Why do we say, I believe you? Another interesting comment in the podcast came from Dr. Blasey Ford. She says, quote, When I met with people to tell them what had happened, and they said, I believe you, it was admittedly a little bit awkward. Sort of like I had told them, my name is Christine, and they had said, I believe you. So I think it comes from a wonderful place of support. It might be the only thing that we say that about when we say it to a person. I believe you. And that is the most help. and is that the most helpful thing to say? I'm not sure. But it just really occurs to me that when I have told people of other bad things that have happened to me in my life, the response wasn't, I believe you. Unquote. The implication is that you are a person who may not be telling the truth, but I choose to believe you. While many might think that saying, quote unquote, I believe you is a supportive comment, it really is indicative of another facet of culture, you know, the one that implies that women lie all the time, especially about sex, to get their way. What would strong public policy look like? The Centers for Disease Control recognizes that sexual violence is a public health issue. They have developed a technical package to prevent sexual violence, which is downloadable at no cost. The purpose of the package is to provide, quote, a comprehensive approach with preventive interventions at multiple levels of the socio-ecological model. It is critical to having a population-level impact on sexual violence. To address sexual violence the model includes methods for disrupting attitudes found in rape cultures and provides support for those who are likely targets of sexual violence the only way to fight rape culture attitudes is with a systemic approach that is backed with the financing that is needed to implement such a program right now we have pieces of the puzzle being implemented in a helter-skelter manner but there is no overreaching impetus to make it a priority nor a regular and robust funding source. For example, my local rape crisis center provides a program called Safe Touch for elementary schools. They go into the schools and talk with the children about consent before touching someone. But that program was almost cut from the budget this year because of problems with the funding stream. It was only when the director made a direct appeal to the community that funds were secured to keep the program going. If we truly considered sexual violence as a public health problem, it would never have been at risk of being cut. And the problem is not just in the U.S. In this clip, you will hear Rachel Paris explain the situation in England with humor, although it is hard not to cringe at the canned laughter. This clip is from the show Late Night Mash. Here we go. To aware of the scale of violence against women in our country. So for more on this, please welcome Rachel Paris! Thank you, Nish.
1: Now, there's a growing feeling that male violence against women and girls isn't being taken seriously. Now, Nish, when I talk about an epidemic of male violence against women, do you feel an urge to immediately step in and say, it wasn't me? No, not really. <laughs> No, because actually, you're not a prick. That's the
0: nicest thing you've said to me in five years.
1: (laughs) That's true, Nish. And interestingly, my behaviour towards you is a good example of misogyny.
0: No, it's not.
1: No, it's not. Good spot, Nish. However, when Justice Secretary Dominic Raab was asked about misogyny last week, He said this. And misogyny is, of course, uh, absolutely wrong, whether it's uh, a a man against a woman uh, or or a woman against a man. (laughs) That's right. Dominic Raab, a man who looks like the thickest member of your stag do... (laughs) justice secretary thinks that misogyny is just being a bit mean to someone maybe it's a man maybe it's a woman maybe it's a house plant the hundreds of pigs being culled across the country maybe it's not down to brexit but the rise of porcine misogyny I don't want to be unkind to mr. Raab but it's genuinely difficult not to be <laughs> It's tricky to know the meaning of a word that affects 51% of the population. I mean, what do you expect him to do? Look it up? (laughs) He's a very busy man-ish. Now, in recent weeks, we've seen the sentencing of police officer Wayne Cousins for the rape and murder of Sarah Everard. A man has been charged with the murder of Sabina Nessa, and this week, another two or three women in the UK will be murdered by a man. Like every week. This is evidence of misogyny. Sorry, best be clear, misogyny against women. (laughs) And these are not isolated incidents. They're part of a daily culture of misogyny that controls women and limits our freedom and diminishes us. Catcalling, violent porn, rape jokes on WhatsApp, or locker room banter. The only thing you should be able to joke about in a locker room is that some people feel it's okay to use the communal hairdryers to dry their pubes. (laughs) Is, Is that a bad thing? (laughs) Yes, (laughs) Nish. Boris Johnson has said he doesn't want to make misogyny a hate crime, because it'll increase the volume of work for police in this area. But the scale of a problem probably shouldn't be a reason not to act on it. You don't get builders with slogans on their vans saying, no job too small, but most are too big. Crimes exist in law, then I think misogyny should be one of them. It's the least the criminal justice system can do, and that's the exact amount they like to do. (laughs) So, if misogyny is both not important enough to learn the meaning of the word and too enormous for the government to tackle, what can we do about it? And by we, who do I mean, Nish? Society? No, Nish, don't be mad. Women! What can women do about it? It's all on us. Time to get our house in order. Stop slacking, for goodness sake. What can we, as women, bloody well do about it? For one, we can use the services on offer to us. For example, the proposed new 888 app suggested by BT and backed by Pretty Patel, which allows lone women to be tracked via their mobile phone as they walk home why seek fundamental changes to allow women to exist freely in society when we can simply monitor their movements (laughs) problem solved nish i say let's go a step further and have us all microchipped like your cat (laughs) also what a beautiful thing it is to allow a conservative government to let the private sector step in to make women safe should we bring out a far-reaching plan to tackle endemic misogyny no someone will release an app (laughs) You don't want to use this service then the next piece of advice offered by the Met police is that women in danger should shout out to a passerby run into a house knock on a door wave down a bus or call 999 <laughs> kidnap victims have had it wrong for decades <laughs> it seems obvious when you think about it simply ask your kidnapper to wait for a few minutes while you make a quick phone call kidnappers are famously patient <laughs> to a house, just one of those open, unlocked houses that you see along the street. Or, best practice, wave down a bus. they the fourth emergency service, why wouldn't you? Wave down a bus, whistle for a taxi, wink at a train. <laughs> wave at a bus is the kind of advice you'd get if you asked Paddington Bear what to do. The Met also says that if a plain clothes officer is operating solo, you should ask, where are your colleagues? That's a comfort. He might soon be joined by a fellow officer, like one of the members of Cousin's WhatsApp group who shared misogynistic messages, or any of the more than 750 Met Police employees accused of sexual misconduct in recent years. Ah! I don't know whether to laugh or wave down a bus. (laughs) And remember, we are still advised to walk home in groups, but 1.6 million women in the UK are victims of domestic abuse every year. Women aren't safe in their own homes. Should we tackle male violence at the root, or should women organise a posse before heading to the lounge? It's tricky. It's tricky, isn't it? Of the 52,210 rapes recorded in 2020, fewer than one in 60 resulted in a suspect being charged. That falls lower if the victim is black or Asian or from an ethnic minority. An app isn't going to stop that. Bus drivers aren't going to stop that, and walking home in groups or latching onto a random hendo on your way home isn't going to stop that. So far, the solutions offered for the epidemic of violence against women have all been to monitor, control, and victim blame women. To address your confusion, Mr. Raab, that's what misogyny is.
0: So, what to do? At this point, the most effective strategy is to keep talking about the issue. Put pressure on your elected officials to keep this conversation going and make smart policy decisions. Keep donating to the local organizations doing this good work. Continue to challenge friends and acquaintances when you hear them saying things that play into rape culture and ask them to keep you honest too. If you are raising children, make sure that you are talking to them about how to treat others and signs to watch out for in relationships. We must evolve past rape culture, and it is going to take time, but first, we must acknowledge it as the root cause of sexual violence. Just for fun. One of my favorite bands is Lake Street Dive, and I was lucky enough to see them perform this past Sunday. This particular song seems appropriate to add here. Enjoy being a woman will let them play us out.
2: all day and when we stand up and protest we'll call an angry mob while another lone gunman loads up